Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Well, hello, and thanks for being with me today. Perhaps you're in your car, maybe racing to get home, or even headed out to do some shopping. Perhaps you're listening on one of your mobile devices or maybe even the podcast. But wherever you are at this moment, we've been taking the month of December and the Advent season to refresh ourselves on some wonderful Hebrew terms and concepts that actually enhance our Christian understanding of the first coming of Jesus Christ into the world. So, friends, our term for today is the beautiful word, Emmanuel. I actually just love saying this word, Emmanuel, which means, of course, God with us. Back in 1997, a terrific book was written by Max Lucado called Cosmic Christmas. I still have my copy. It is one of many books and booklets in my library I love to pull out and read through during the Christmas season. Cosmic Christmas is truly a feast for the imagination. The premise sort of asks the question, was the birth of our Lord Jesus a quietly profound event, or did it include a battle in the cosmic sphere? As a way of introducing us all to this fantastic word and concept of Emmanuel, I'd love to just quote a brief portion from the intro of this book. So join me on this imaginative journey, friends, as we envision ourselves as an outsider listening in, actually overhearing a conversation between God the Father and the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is being commissioned to bring a gift to earth. However, this conversation is all of a sudden interrupted by the appearance of the devil. He irreverently bursts into their presence and forcefully enters into the conversation. The angel Gabriel has been our narrator and now directs our attention to Satan's discussion. After a brief introductory conversation, Gabriel now continues. Satan began to growl, a throaty, guttural, angry growl. 
softly at first, then louder, until the room was filled with a roar that must have quaked the foundations of hell. But the king was not bothered, feeling ill. Lucifer lurked around the room, breathing loudly, searching for words to say and a shadow from which to say them. Lucifer finally found the words, but never the shadow. Show me, O king of light, show me one person on earth who always does right and obeys your will. Dare you ask? You know there need be only one perfect one, only one sinless one, to die for all the others. I know your plans, and you have failed. No Messiah will come from your people. There's none who is sinless, not one. He turned his back to the desk and began naming children. Not Moses, not Abraham, not Lot, not Rebecca, not Elijah. The father stood up, and from his throne, releasing a wave of holy light so intense that Lucifer staggered backward and fell. Those are my children, you mock, God's voice boomed. You think you know much, fallen angel, but you know so little. Your mind dwells on the valley of self. Your eyes see no further than your own needs. The king walked over and reached for the book. He turned it toward Lucifer and commanded, Come, deceiver, read the name of the one who will call your bluff. Read the name of the one who will storm your gates. Satan rose slowly off his haunches. Like a wary wolf, he walked a wide circle toward the desk until he stood before the volume and read the word. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he muttered to himself. Then he spoke in a tone of disbelief. God with us? For the first time, the hooded head turned squarely toward the face. For the first time, the hooded head turned squarely toward the face of the father. No, not even you would do that. Not even you would go so far. You've never believed me, Satan. But Emmanuel, the plan is bizarre. You don't know what it's like on earth. You don't know how dark I've made it. It's putrid. It's evil. It's, it's mine, proclaimed the king. And I will reclaim what is mine. I will become flesh. I will feel what my creatures feel. I will see what they see. But what of their sin? I will bring mercy. What of their death? I will give life. Satan stood speechless. God spoke. 
I love my children. Love does not take away the beloved's freedom, but love takes away fear. And Emmanuel will leave behind a tribe of fearless children. They will not fear you or hell. Oh, well, Max Lucado is certainly a dramatist par excellence, isn't he? That reading was from his Christmas book, Cosmic Christmas. Friends, the Danish Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, who lived in the early to mid-1800s, made a valiant effort to relay the idea of Emmanuel to his own generation in terms they could understand. This is how Kierkegaard attempted to communicate Emmanuel. A certain king was very rich. His power was known throughout the world, but he was most unhappy, for he desired a wife. Without a queen, the vast palace was empty. One day, while riding through the streets of a small village, he saw a beautiful peasant girl. She was so lovely that she won the king's heart. He wanted her more than anything he had ever desired. On succeeding days, he would ride by her house on the mere hope of seeing her for a moment. In passing, the king wondered how he might win her love. He first thought, I'll draw up a royal decree and require her to be brought before me to become the queen of my land. But as he reconsidered this thought, he realized that she was a subject and would be forced to obey. He could never be certain that he had won her love. Well, then he said to himself, I shall call on her in person. I will dress in my finest royal garments, wear my diamond rings, my silver sword, my shiny black boots, and my most colorful tunic. I will overwhelm her and sweep her off her feet to become my bride. But as he pondered this idea, he knew he would be left wondering whether she married him for the riches and power he could give her. He then thought about dressing as a peasant and having his carriage drop him off in the town. He would then approach her house in disguise. But the deception behind this plan did not appeal to him. At last he realized what he had to do. He would shed his royal robes and go to the village and become one of the peasants. As a peasant, he would work and suffer with them. This he finally did, and in so doing, he won his wife. Friends, is not this precisely what God did? Is not this how he won humankind? In Jesus Christ, God became one of us. He took upon himself the form of a human being to dwell among us. 
Some of us have the tendency to think that the Christmas story began with Jesus' arrival in the little town of Bethlehem. We'll point to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, where the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and comforts him with these legendary words, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son. Now notice, friends, the angel did not say she will bear you a son, as was said to Zechariah regarding his wife Elizabeth about the coming birth of John the Baptist. You can read that in Luke chapter 1. And so she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Then Matthew goes on to tell us, Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which translated means God with us. This, of course, is the voice of the prophet Isaiah, spoken some 700 years before Jesus arrives, documented in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So, there are others who believe that the Christmas story began here, in which Matthew then, under divine inspiration, points to Jesus as its ultimate fulfillment. In majestic language, Isaiah 7.14 simply and elegantly proclaims, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, friends, I'd like to propose that, in actuality, the understanding of God's real presence being with his people began back in Exodus chapter 3, when God revealed himself to Moses during that burning bush experience. Remember, there God revealed his name, the very name that the Hebrew people would ultimately come to understand as that special name that bound them to their God, a covenant name with such richness and depth of meaning that biblical scholars to this day have not been able to fully fathom, a name that simply consists of just four Hebrew consonants, Y, H, V, H, or in Hebrew, Yod, He, Vav, He. How in the world should we pronounce these four letters? It's kind of quirky when you look at it. There have been lots of proposals from rabbis down to Christian scholars today. 
Some of the best Hebrew and Christian minds tell us that it is likely pronounced Yahweh or Yahweh, possibly Yahweh or Yahweh. What's both curious and interesting about the Hebrew construction here is that it turns out to be a breath word. You literally have to breathe it out, Yahweh. It's almost as if when God's name is spoken in the Hebrew language, we are declaring that God gave us breath and life. It may even be possible that subconsciously we are calling attention to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where we read, Then the Lord God, or Yahweh Elohim, if you will, formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Well, friends, do you remember Moses' mission in Exodus? God was sending him to Pharaoh to insist that Pharaoh let the Israelites leave Egypt. But Moses was a little apprehensive about this mission. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, we pick up the conversation between God and Moses. And he, God, said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a birth certificate that says the name of someone's kid is I am, have you? The closest thing to this was back in the early days of the band Jefferson Airplane, and the lead vocalist, Gracie Slick, named her daughter God with a small G when she was born. I think she goes by the name Katner now. So here in Exodus chapter 3, the covenant name of God is revealed, the name that will bind the Israelites to God forever. The deeply personal and intimate name God chose to call himself to Moses, a name that represents a God of relation. I like to think of it this way. The general name for God in Hebrew is El, E-L. That's the singular form. Or Elohim, the plural form. We see this throughout Genesis chapters 1 through 3, and best emphasized in the creation account. So for me, I like to say that Elohim represents the side of God where he is the God of creation, the God of power and might. And Yahweh represents the side of God of relation, the God who is with us, 
the God who is concerned about us, the God who sees our struggles and meets us where we are. The I am and the phrase, I am who I am. What rich and virtually unexplorable depth is verbalized here, friends. The most brilliant minds among Jews and Christian scholars tell us that this phrase can be interpreted a few ways. The common way it is translated in most English Bibles, I am that I am, and also I will be who I will be, or I shall be what I shall be, or even I am the existing one, or I cause to be what comes to pass. I've even been told that this phrase is grammatically constructed to intentionally be an incomplete sentence or an open-ended sentence awaiting to be completed. Because, friends, wrapped up in this simple yet profound name derived from the verb to be is the idea of being actively present in. This idea of active presence implies that God is with us and active in our daily lives and events. I gotta believe that God was trying to get through to our thick skulls that from the beginning he created us to be in a relationship with him and he promises to be our I am, our Yahweh. Personally, I kind of look at it this way. What God is trying to tell us is that he will be what we need him to be when we need him to be it. And please don't misunderstand me to be saying that God is now our cosmic bellhop or Burger King in the sky, if you will. You know, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, hold the trials. Don't upset us. Unfortunately, our Western civilization has been heavily influenced by Greek thought, gods who are abstract, impersonal, distant, vague, and therefore we have to rely on mere God consciousness or metaphysical experiences. And you know as well as I know that these ideas are with us today as strong as ever, particularly in the Eastern and New Age religions the Bible, through Moses' story, on the other hand, helps us to reclaim Israel's or the Hebrew view of God and the significance of his personal name. In the ancient Near Eastern time, in other words, Bible times, a person's self or identity was expressed in their name. In God's name, we learn of his very nature character, and true self. Friends, this is why it is so significant when, in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and immediately clashes with the Jewish religious authorities. Time and time again, Jesus makes statements that connected him directly to God, in fact, making claims to be God. His very name alone, Jesus, or more properly, Yeshua, means God saves. 
Do you remember when Jesus said to a multitude that included some Pharisees, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, he prayed in the presence of his disciples, I manifested your name to those who gave me to the world. Whoa, hold on here. Isn't this Jesus, a young carpenter from an obscure village who was executed in his early 30s? But he was also God, not just a God, but the God of the Old Testament, present in human form. Friends, the message of the Advent Christmas season is therefore found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And they will name him, Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas brings many joys, but the greatest joy should be knowing that we have in the babe of Bethlehem a representation of God. He stepped down from his throne, removed his robes of glory, and wrapped himself in skin, human skin. This weak and helpless child, however, was very God in the flesh, God near to us, sharing our humanity, speaking our language, sympathizing with our heartaches, comprehending our hopes. Maybe this Christmas, even though giving gifts to others may be special and meaningful, wouldn't it be just as special and meaningful to think about giving a gift to Jesus? This Christmas, how about giving Jesus the gift of ourselves, our lives, the gift of giving ourselves fully to him, not only as the manger Jesus, but as King Jesus. Friends, as a pastor, I'd very much love to pray for you. Perhaps this season of joy is not so joyous, and you'd like some prayer support. The broadcast will close with an email where I can be reached. Please listen for it. You may also contact me at this email to learn how you can financially help this listener-supported program. Thanks for listening, and always remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.